Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Glad you're here. I want to greet those who are with us online. Uh, We love you guys. Um, But I have to uh, alert all of you. Your pastor is a major glamour don't. I got an early Father's Day gift from my uh, Debbie. Um, I've always wanted for years uh, a blue jean jacket like I wore when I was in college. And um, I just didn't want to spend the money. Uh, But Deb found one that was on sale at a woman's store. No, I'm kidding. No, I, so I, you know, I loved it, man. I was styling around, and uh, my daughter, uh, Lovia, called me up, wanted me to run an errand for her and bring her something at work. And so I did, and I showed up wearing my new uh, blue jean jacket, whatever you call it. Um, that's what we called it when I was a kid. But anyway, she sees me, she reaches out and grabs it and says, Dad, you're styling. And I was wearing a pair of blue jeans. I didn't know. She said, Dad, don't wear denim on denim. Everybody in the waiting room at this place laughs. And I just walk out kind of smiling to myself because this is one of the cool things about being an old person. You can wear anything you want, however you want. Doesn't matter. You know, for for me, if it's comfortable, that's it. I don't care. Um... But don't follow my trends for your fashion sense. Um, Another cool thing about getting older is, man, you know stuff. You've learned through your mistakes. You've learned through your foolishness. uh, You've learned when things have gone well for you in life, and you've just stored it all away. And there are opportunities with your children. I have a granddaughter recently graduated from college, an opportunity to speak into her life. And I love you guys. You are my church family. I want to speak wisdom into your life. Um, And let me just start this way. Um, Just to see where we all are culturally on the spectrum. How many of you remember or saw uh, or read the book or saw the movie, The Perfect Storm? See that show? It was awesome. Uh, True, true story. I love uh, true stories. It was about this fishing vessel caught in a cataclysmic uh, weather pattern, a a, a horrific storm uh, out in the North Atlantic and uh, man, it was, it was absolutely massive. Ships were sinking, people were drowning, lives were lost. It was like the feel-good movie of the year 2000. Um, now, the captain of the fishing vessel looked a lot like George Clooney. And um, the, the focus of, of the show was, you know, being a thriller. There was this uh, humongous low-pressure system building up uh, over the Great Lakes and, and another huge um, low-pressure system off the East Coast in the North Atlantic. And then a, a supersized low-pressure system in the Caribbean. And those three charged each other, collided head-on, creating this perfect storm. Perfect in violence, perfect in lives lost. And I mean, it was a thriller uh, to the very end. But I remind you of that movie and that book. 
to remind you that you and I, we all face our storms in life. If you have not yet, you will. Maybe right now you're going through or you're on the edge of going through a financial perfect storm where everything in your money is just blown apart. So I'm here to give you a weather alert. Financial storms come in all shapes and sizes. I remember when, um, this is my stupidity, my first son, Joshua, was born. We had insurance. It covered pregnancy. I thought it paid for everything. It paid a percentage of everything. We were still paying on Josh three years later when Jake was born. And now I had wised up, so I did for Deb and I and our Josh and our new Jake what I'm going to share with you today. I saved because I knew another storm was coming. You see, financial storms can just be unexpected emergencies. An appliance stops working. How many of you own an appliance, have a car, live in a residence? Anybody? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Lovia got mad at me, my soon-to-be 21-year-old daughter. I made a car available to, not, to her not long ago, and this is back when it was really, really cold in the wintertime, and not long after she had it, it got a flat tire. She calls us up, ranting in the room, how dare you give me a car that gets a flat tire? <laughs> this is one of those early life lessons. Cars break down. They took the car to the tire place to get a new tire, four new tires, in fact, and when they came to pick it up, the windshield was cracked from top to bottom. That happens if you own something. I can't believe the guy that said, this is crazy. I paid $150 for this microwave 10 years ago, and it just stops working out of the blue. What's up with that? Here's what's up. If you own anything, if you have anything, it's going to wear out. It's going to break down. It's going to die. I can't tell you three or four transmissions that have gone out of cars that I've owned. The stupidest thing I did one time, transmission goes out. Instead of paying three grand for a rebuilt transmission, I went out and bought a different car. Beat me with a big stick. And so, you know, I've, sometimes I've created my own financial storms. Sometimes it was someone else's fault. Just like you, sometimes it just happens. If you have children, you will make visits to the emergency room. You can have some unexpected financial storms, but then sometimes th these financial storms are of epic proportion. I'm just giving you a heads up. Sometimes the transmission goes out on your car, and at the same time, right now, your house needs major repairs. And at the very same time, you're having to deal with devastating medical expenses. I'm just telling you what I've been through in my life, but that was an epic financial storm. It was like the perfect storm. Three storms coming together at one time wanting to sink my financial ship. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Jesus warned us. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, what I love about it, financial trouble, marriage trouble, parenting trouble, yeah, we will. But Jesus goes on to say, take heart, I've overcome the world. 
Now, the way I read that text and understand that text is that Jesus has overcome marriage difficulties and parenting challenges and financial storms. It's not just for my salvation. It's not just for sins forgiven. My Jesus is an overcomer, and he makes me an overcomer as well. Now, I'll be straight with you. I am not a CPA. I am not a financial consultant. I am not a banker. I am just a humble pastor who loves God's Word, believes God's Word, and practices God's Word, and has found tremendous wisdom in God's Word. Did you know there are over 2,300 verses in the Bible on how to manage well our money? Jesus did more teaching on this subject than any of, of the other subjects, more than prayer, more than reading your Bible, more than serving. And it's not because Jesus wants something from you. It's that he wants something for you. And one of the things Jesus wants for you is peace in the midst of financial storms. When other people, and didn't it happen in 2008 globally? The real estate market tanked. And many of you felt it. I knew many families in this region whose houses went into foreclosure because they were upside down on their mortgage. Because not only did the real estate market tank, what happened to the banking business. It collapsed. Accompanied by the stock market crashing and burning, they called it 2008 the perfect financial storm, and we all felt it, and we all felt the pain of what jobs that once were in 2008, 2009, no more. Unemployment, sky high. It was a hurting time, and those kinds... I would anticipate that sometime in the future, there's going to be another global financial storm that touches every life. And so it's one of the reasons. I want you to have more than peace. When everybody else is going crazy, your finances are rock solid. Not because you're some kind of financial genius. You just open God's Word and what it says, that's what you do. And you're rock solid, secure financially. Now, we're using this emoji 100 to help us. Because the plan I've been working for years and years and years is the 10 plus 10 plus 80 equals 100 plan. And so the question we're asking is, do you trust God with 100% of your life? That's the bottom line. Two things this plan has done for Deb and I. Number one, it has released the supernatural, miraculous power of God in our finances. Unbelievable. I was in the, um, there's a bathroom right across from my office, and I was in there this morning. I call it the Holy of Holies, First John. I, I was in there looking in the mirror, getting ready to go to the 815 service, and I thought of the $8,000 bill that we had to pay this past week. And we, Deb and I looked at each other and said, thank God we have the money. But I don't know how it worked. God miraculously got involved in our finances, and when we needed it, it was there. I have no way explaining it, except when you follow this 10, 10, 80 plan, God works miracles in your money. The second thing I, I discovered, well, the first one is so good, maybe if I can't remember the second one, it's okay. Oh, no, I still forgot Dang it. And I was doing so good, didn't you think? <laughs> People online are turning off their computers. <laughs> um, every night, uh, Deb and I pray. 
uh, that God will continue to open up the floodgates of heaven uh, over our marriage, over our family. We thank God for our boys and their wives and their children and that we didn't kill them when they were teenagers, so now we got grandbabies. Um, we thank God for our, our granddaughter just graduated from college, our daughter Lovia, her boyfriend Aaron, and every aspect of their lives. And we ask God to continue to open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out more blessing on our lives and on our finances. You see, we practice the 10, 10, 80 equals 100 formula. And uh, here's where I get that prayer from the Word of God, where Scripture says, bring the whole tithe. That's that first 10. That first 10 stands for 10%. The first 10% of my income belongs to the Lord. The Bible calls it the tithe, and the tithe comes from a mathematical Hebrew term that means tenth. The first 10% of my income, if you're a Christ follower, your income belongs to the Lord. You can't give it to Him. The Bible says it is holy unto the Lord. It already belongs to Him, so you can only bring it to Him, to His church where you are fed spiritually, where you are served, where you are ministered to, where you are cared for spiritually. That's what you do out of every pay period. And then you can claim that promise just as I do. Every night when Deb and I take communion, Deb and I hold hands, our little dog puts her paws in there. That little dog loves communion bread. Can't get her to drink the juice yet, but she's almost a Christian. <laughs> we pray. We are able to claim the promise, bring the whole tithe. That's what we do out of every pay period. God says, bring it into my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out more blessing than you have room enough to hold. Now, I'll be straight with you. That's not how I always live my life. I spent probably the first 10 years of my marriage being a fool with money. I spent everything I made. I started out in the ministry making uh, $8,500. Um, then I hit the big time, and I was making $10,000 a year as a youth minister. When I came here uh, to be your pastor, I was paid $17,500 a, a, a year. But I made a commitment with my Debbie that we were not going to live the way we had been living for the last 10 years, paycheck to paycheck. Now, I know I was a normal American at that time. Car payments, house payments, second mortgage, credit cards, living paycheck to paycheck, one mistake, one bad luck, bad break away from financial disaster. And it was tremendous. I spent all the money I made. I spent all the money Debbie made. I had Debbie get a paper out, spent all that. I didn't make my wife get a paper out. But I was just stupid with money. But when we moved here in 1981, we made a decision together. We were going to begin to practice what God's Word says. The first 10% belongs to the Lord, and we will bring it to His house out of every pay period. Because, and here's what I know for you. Maybe that scares you to death. I found God to be faithful personally. I can trust Him with 100% of my life. But bring something. Don't come to the Lord's house on the Lord's day with the Lord's people empty-handed. Bring him something. If it's not 100%, bring something, any amount, because giving is the gorilla glue that cements your relationship with God. 
I think that giving is the glue that holds every relationship together, a friendship, a marriage, a parenting relationship. But for sure, for sure, for sure, your giving is the gorilla glue that cements your relationship with God. Jesus promised that this would happen. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart always follows your treasure. Giving is, this, it, it, is the gorilla glue that cements. In fact, people... What the most recent research indicates in studies on churches and churchgoers is that people who do not give anything begin to drift from God and drift from God. And there's no guarantee for me as a pastor that they will be in this church a year from now, and that would break my heart to pieces. And so I say something, anything. I'm telling you, tithing gets God's miraculous work going in your life. He does things for you that you cannot believe. Deb and I, oh, here's number two. How can I be so dumb? Here's number two. Working that plan, we worked it in a matter of years. Deb and I got completely out of debt. Having had a house payment, a second mortgage, two car payments, and a credit card with thousands of dollars on it, for years and years and years, we have now been living debt-free. And it's all because of working this plan. You see, here's what happens. When you make God your first priority in your finances, when I point, yeah, there's what I want. In your finances, make giving to God your first priority. God makes blessing you his first priority. He is willing to open up the floodgates of heaven and prioritize putting his favor on. I had a lady come forward in the last service, shake my hand, come up close and say to me, you know, God blesses my health in response to my giving. That's absolutely true. There is not one aspect of my life or your life that is exempt from his blessing when we make him our number one priority. So that's the first 10. The first 10 belongs to God. And that's what I teach my kid. Don't spend that. That's not your money, kids. First 10% of your income belongs to the Lord. It's not yours. It doesn't belong to Verizon or U.S. Cellular or, or the... Alliant or any other company, that money is God's money, and it's right, and he blesses when you bring it to him. The second 10 is huge. My granddaughter just graduated from college, and if I could say this to all the college kids, I had one of the young men at Bloyd Memorial last night from our church stop me after graduation. He's wearing his cap and his gown, and I said to him, hey, what are you going to do this summer? Whatever comes along which is cool. That's a nice place to be, right? I said, but what are you going to do next fall? Whatever comes my way. Well, that's awesome. I'm happy for you. But here's what I would want him to know. Whatever you do, whatever you do, take 10% of what you make and pay yourself. 10% of every paycheck. My granddaughter, I want you to know this, Em. If you take 10% of your paycheck and pay yourself every time you get a paycheck, you will weather every other fin every financial storm. Other people may be broke. Other people may be stressing, but you'll be okay because you stash it away and stash it away and stash it away. In fact, when you get to be old like me, Emma, you will be set because you took that second 10 and you paid yourself. You're the one who worked hard. You sweat. You poured in your energy. You made your efforts. You used your intellect, your people skills, your your task skills, you made the money, now pay yourself. Because if you don't, if you spend it all before you get the paycheck, 
You've actually made zero dollars for all that time. Sure, the bills are covered. Sure, the house payment's made. Sure, the car payment's made. But when you end up at the end of the week, paycheck to paycheck, and you have nothing to show for it, that's how much money you've actually made that week at your work. The second 10 belongs to you. Pay yourself. So, to get there, we have to ask ourselves, how, I mean, practically, David, how does this work? How do I trust God with 100% of my life? Because as I said, I'm, I'm not a smart financial guy. I'm just a pastor who loves God's Word, obeys God's Word, and teaches God's Word, and finds a tremendous blessed benefit of God's Word. So let me take you to the Word of God to show you where this teaching comes up. You know where it comes up? It comes up in the first book of the Bible, book of beginnings, book of Genesis. And I've told you before, to understand God's word, you understand that everything in the Bible means something and everything points to Jesus. Here's the second principle of biblical interpretation. It's called the principle of first mention. When something comes up in Genesis, it's the lens through which we understand that issue through the rest of the Bible. When some person, some activity comes up in the book of Genesis, it's the lens through which we understand it. It's the first mention. This first mention, the main character is Joseph. Joshua referenced him early. Joseph was a lot like me. He was born really good looking. I'm, I'm serious, not about me. I mean, he was an extraordinarily attractive young man. And beyond attractiveness, he had a keen intellect beyond that of all of his brothers. And in addition to that, God gave him a very insightful sense of wisdom. And beyond that, God gave him special talents and abilities. Life was sweet for Joseph. But to be real with you, his life was mostly bitter sweet. Sure, it started sweet, but because his brothers were jealous of him, they made his life miserable. Um, In fact, what made it worse, his dad doted on him. He was his father's favorite child. Eleven brothers, he was his father's favorite child. When those brothers uh, at Christmas all got chia plants, he got an Xbox and an iPad. And I mean, it just infuriated him. In fact, the Bible says that his dad made for him a multicolored jean jacket. And he wore it with multicolored pants, and he would look really cool. Um, no, the multicolored coat was an indication that he had authority over all his brothers. When they went out on a job site, he got the lawn chair, he got a glass of lemonade, he told them what to do, how to do it, and when to get it done. And it absolutely infuriated them. He would sit at the breakfast table and tell them his most recent insight from God, and they just wanted to smack the Captain Crunch out of his mouth. Finally, they didn't. It wasn't slapping him with the open hand. They pounded him with their fist. The 11 brothers ganged up on him and just beat the life out of him. Beat him within an inch of his life. And then worse, bitter, bitter, they sold him into slavery. And the slave traders took him away from his home, his country, his culture, his language, to Egypt. I mean, more bitter. But God never lets bitter win. God pours on and pours on the sweet. Uh, Unbelievably, Joseph is uh, sold into one of the finest homes, finest families 
in Egypt. I mean, his, his role, though, he's a servant. And you know what Scripture says? God blessed him in everything he did. Blessing, blessing, blessing on everything he did. Pretty sweet. Until bitter happened again. He was unfairly, unjustly accused of sexual assault. It was a lie, but it got him in prison. Bitter again. Bitter. I mean, prisons in Egypt at that time were like one step away from death. But he networked with some people in prison, some fellow prisoners who saw his skills, his special talent, his special intellect, his ability to interpret dreams. And so when they got out, coincidentally at the very same time, the king of Egypt has these disturbing dreams. He doesn't want to go to bed at night. He's afraid he'll dream the dreams again. They disturb his daytime hours. He can't think about anything but these dreams. And he looks to all his wise men. Here's the dreams. What's going on? What's shaking? Interpret my dreams. Can't do it. Sorry. And then the people that were in prison with Joseph, they said, there's this dude in prison, man. Jojo is his name. They said, that guy can interpret dreams. King said, bring him. Joseph comes and Joseph interprets the dreams. He said, man, what your dreams are telling you, you're going to have seven years when everything, man, it's just going to, everything is going to go good. You're going to make money hand over fist for this kingdom. And then you're going to have seven years where you're going to lose your shirt. You're going to lose everything. People are going to starve unless you do something. Here's how the word of God tells the story. Sure enough, for the next seven years, there were bumper crops everywhere. Not just in Egypt, but everywhere. And the king says to Joseph, Jojo, dude, you come up with a plan. I'm making you the number two guy. You're my right hand man. You're going to hold the most powerful office in the land. Look what God does. Sweet, sweet, sweet. God never, if you follow Jesus, if you love Jesus, bitter's going to happen. The storms are going to assail, but Bitter will never win because Jesus just keeps pouring on the sweet. You got a good Jesus. Sure enough, the next seven years, there were bumper crops everywhere. And during those years, Joseph took a portion, that second 10 in our formula, of all the crops grown in Egypt and stored them for the government. Now look how the miracles happened. These were entire storage cities. After seven years of storing, of saving, of paying himself, the granaries were filled to overflowing. I don't know how to figure that out. God, when you follow the formula of his word, he just multiplies, multiplies, multiplies. In fact, there was so much grain, like the sand on the seashore, that people could not keep track of the amount. That's how God works when we follow his formula. And what I found in my life, it doesn't help all at once. It took us years to get out of debt, but God was faithful. I can't even, I can't even explain to you how he did it. I know I worked at it. I know Deb and I decided we were going we to save money every way we could. We believe that everybody wastes money. And so we, I studied every penny we made and every penny we spent. And I started buying beaters. No more two-car payments. I would buy a car for $500, drive it till the tires fell off, get it to the junkyard, and get $200 for it, and then go buy another beater. Beaters are awesome. I had a car. You didn't need a key to start it. 
Nobody would steal it. Um, but the cool thing about beaters is that you humiliate your teenagers when you drive them to school in what they called the beast. The other cool thing about beaters is when those teenagers wreck it, you don't have to fix it. It's just one more crash point on the car among many others. But that was one way we could save money. Um, we decided we were going to stop going out to eat. We are going to brown bag it to work and um, eat breakfast at home. If there were times when we did go out to eat, we wouldn't order anything uh, to drink, not a Coke or iced tea. We would just order water because water was free. If we were out for breakfast, I never, I still don't order coffee. I could order coffee if I wanted to, but I figure I can make it better and cheaper at home. So that's one of the cool things when you start saving and stop wasting, you just keep living that way, even though now you're out of debt and you can put all kinds of money in savings. So we just found every way we could to do what Joseph did, to do what the Bible teaches and just put it away and put it away. Get out of debt, get out of debt, get out of debt. Um, here's God's wisdom. Save in the good time because bad times are coming. They're coming for me even right now. They're coming for you even right now. And they came for Joseph. The famine came. Here's what Scripture says. The wise man, though, like Joseph, once I wised up, you save for the future, look what happens. The foolish man, he spends whatever he gets. Um, here's Joseph's story. At last, the seven years of plenty came to an end. Now, we're living in a, in a season of plenty right now as a nation. The, the American economy is better than it's been in my lifetime. Low, low, low unemployment, low, low, low inflation, uh, more jobs, and we got people to work them. Um, and the, but the sad thing is most Americans, 80% of Americans, instead of saving more, are spending more, charging more, borrowing more, going broke sooner at last, the seven years of plenty came to an end. Seven years of famine began. Bad times, perfect storms, financial storms always come. Joseph, he had predicted this. There were crop failings, too, in all the surrounding countries. But guess what? Those dudes were foolish. They didn't think the storms were coming, the bad times would happen. But in Egypt, there was plenty of grain in the storehouses. When, when we came here and we're just making a, a little bit, uh, 17,000, that's probably below the poverty rate. And now what I learned was that just saving a little bit, you can accumulate a lot. That's the power of compound interest. You don't have to make a lot of money to accumulate a lot of money. In fact, the Bible says whoever, whoever gathers little by little makes it grow. It's the power of compound interest. And Deb and I did not get to a better place financially, and still we started, started making better decisions and saying 10, 10, 80, makes, we'll live on the 10, 10, we'll live on the 80, pay ourselves 10%, give the Lord what's his due, get his miraculous work going on in our finances. Because my life is right now based on the decisions I've made. Your life is right now based on the decisions you've made. Things happen to both of us that we have no control over. Life is hard, life hurts. But we always keep our ability to make decisions even based on what life does to us. And your decision to trust God with everything, uh, with 100% of your life, is everything. 
these uh, inserts, I want to ask you to take this 100-day generosity challenge. Uh, last night I was in the bathroom looking in the mirror. My Debbie was standing by me. I don't know why my stories always happen with me looking in the mirror. Um, but I told her what happened last night, that a young woman who... <laughs> Um, was really giving me some resistance. I shouldn't say really, a bit of resistance over last week's message. She wanted to be the first one to come to the front last night and put this in my hand. One of my guys from my small group nine months ago, um, we were on this subject in our small group, and he was like, dude, you know, I'm a single dad. I got three kids. There's no way I can, I can do anything. About a month later, he said, well, I figured out I can get 5% of my income. There's no way I could tithe. Uh, a few months after that, I said, well, I've, I made the commitment to the Lord. I'm bringing 10% of my income uh, to his house out of every pay period. And that's, that's awesome. And then a couple of weeks ago, our small group, he said, you know, I've been having some struggles financially. So I said, I've decided to go beyond the tithe because I, I really need more blessing. Last night, he came up, his three kids following him put this in my hand. And my Debbie said, after we got home last night, she said, they're learning. You cannot outgive God. See, in fact, what we have to decide, you have to decide, I have to decide, is Jesus a liar? Was he just kidding, messing around? Or was he telling the truth when Jesus said in Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. You don't have to be afraid. You can be full of confidence. It will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. For with the amount you give, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And so as I did last night um, and last service, I'm going to invite you to fill this out. A bunch of you, dozens of you turned them in last week without even being asked. And well, most of them were people who already tithe. They said, we're going to keep it up or we're going to go beyond. I had a guy last night. I've known him, I've known him before he came to our church. Um, one of the ways that I saved money, I quit playing golf, which helped Tiger Woods relax. Um, <laughs> I was playing five times a week, sometimes three times a week, and so I just stashed all that money. Well, this is a guy I met through golfing before he came to our church and came forward last night and says, I tithe, I'm going to increase my giving, and um, I'd like to give you a a free four-day vacation. Okay. (laughs) And he's like, you know, God has so blessed me, I'm just in a position where I can just give it away now, and I, I, I want to give... I'll give you a four-day vacation. That's the faithfulness of God. So I'd like for you to fill this out. We're going to stand and sing, and I'm going to come down front. And I just want you to come up, put this in my hand. This is why I keep wearing this bracelet. God's got this in my finances. God's got this in my marriage. God's got this with my kids. God's got this with my grandbabies. God's got this. You just come and put this in my hand. We'll look at each other tonight. I mean, if you don't give anything, just say, I'll start to give. And then, you know, make plans to grow. I'll, I'll begin to tithe. I'll go beyond that. I'll increase my giving. Whatever you and I are, just between you and God. But we'll look each other in the eye and tell each other, remind each other, hey, God's got this. We can trust him. You can stand with me. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. 
Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.